Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Have you had a nagging pain in any of your joints? Maybe when you walk or hike, your knees bother you and it makes you sore for days. Or maybe you type all day long at your job and your hands and shoulders hurt or are becoming arthritic. While there are current methods in place to help with some of these pains, such as surgery, which can cause months of rehabilitation, or some medications that can mask the pain a little bit, these methods might not work for every single person. There is another method that has been becoming more mainstream, and it is quite a bit less invasive than surgery. It is called regenerative injection therapy, which encompasses things like stem cell and PRP. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to share nutrition and fitness tips to make wellness less complicated. And today we have Dr. Jum Funk joining us to talk about regenerative injection therapies and which ones to choose from for your own injuries. In her practice, she uses four different types of injections, so there are quite a few different ways to use these with patients. Before we dive into this episode, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. I use this greens powder every single day because it helps to get all of those nutrients that you don't think about, like vitamins and minerals, into your diet. It is made from 75 whole food ingredients, which makes the nutrients extremely bioavailable for the body to use. To learn more, go to summitforwellness.com greens. Now, let's jump right into my conversation with Dr. Jum Funk. Dr. Jum Funk is a naturopathic doctor specializing in regenerative injection therapies to treat orth- orthopedic and sports-related musculoskeletal pain, and she is located in Wenatchee and Bellevue, Washington. Her assessment process includes assessing the tendons, ligaments, fascia, muscles, and nerves, and not just looking at the bones and the joints. The regenerative Regenerative injection therapies she uses are pit therapy, prolotherapy, platelet-rich plasma, and stem cell therapy. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, you're welcome, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm honored to be on here today and talk about regenerative injection therapies. <laughs> yeah, and you obviously have a lot of passion for it. So can you tell us what got you so interested in regenerative medicine uh, injections and therapies and uh how did that bring you to where you are now? Yeah, so I kind of fell into doing injections, period, not just re- even regenerative injections, but working in physical medicine. Uh, I did my residency in Nicaragua, and I graduated in 2007 uh, from Bastyr University. And shortly after, I did my medical residency in Nicaragua doing just more primary care, and I saw lots of patients a day, 20-plus patients a day. Uh, But after I came back from my 13-month internship, I practiced up in Bellingham, Washington in a primary care practice. And at that time, my husband fell ill and uh, had a a rare health condition. And I said, oh, my God, I'm really going to have to make more money here since I'm going to be the breadwinner. And uh, yeah, so he was pretty ill. So I 
basically found a position. Um, so I was doing primary care practice in Bellingham and was commuting to uh, Seattle to work uh, at a clinic in Bellevue uh, doing joint injections. And that was sort of my intro to doing injections in general. And, you know, going through Bastyr and my medical schooling, I was not into orthopedics at all. And uh, but once I was taught how to do the joint injections and trigger point injections, uh, I realized I was really good at it. And I realized that I actually like to do orthopedics and I got really good at it. And so from there, uh, I went to different seminars. And in one of the seminars, they were just talking about regenerative injection therapies. And uh, that's when I sought further how to learn how to do prolotherapy. And then from there, you know, during that time, you know, people were learning a lot more about platelet-rich plasma injections and then more recently stem cell therapy. So, yeah, so I kind of did it out of necessity and didn't realize that I freaking love to do you know, orthopedics. Yeah. It's my jam. I love it. <laughs> Can't say enough about it. And in the field of regenerative medicine, you know, it's still you, you know, the, the basis of regenerative medicine, you know, is, is using um, injections like prolotherapy, which is also a technique. And so you might change the solution that you use when you do prolotherapy. All right. So you can basically use dextrose or saline or procaine or lidocaine along with it or PRP or stem cells. But, you know, the, the technique of healing patients using regenerative medicine, prolotherapy is, you know, it's like the, the mother. Right. You know, if you have those skills, you can treat so many people for so many different conditions, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of conditions, um, since regenerative injection therapy is so new. What are different uh, use cases for it? Like what kind of conditions is it good for and what kind of conditions is it not good for? Yeah. So a lot of the patients that I have seen, you know, in the last, you know, seven, eight years of doing injections in general have been, I would say knee, knee pain. So osteoarthritis. Uh, osteoarthritis is uh, you know, some people say a lot of times patients will come in and say, Hey doc, I'm bone on bone. And I look at their x-rays and it's not bone on bone. Um, so for those types of patients that have, you know, you know, medium to moderate osteoarthritis, regenerative injection therapies, you know, can be, you know, so successful for, for healing that type of, uh, condition, you know, tendonitis also, uh, any type of, you know, sprain strain, um, I work with a lot of patients uh, in the extremities. So I do a lot of shoulder injections, so rotator cuff. You know, as long as you don't have a complete tear, then, you know, and, and you've got good hormone balance, you know, your diet is good, you're not doing a standard American diet, um, you know, you don't have severe autoimmune conditions, then, you know, you're, you're, you'll probably be a good candidate for regenerative injection therapies in general. Um, but yeah, so I would say, you know, for the most part, you know, it should be more of one of the first line therapies versus sort of, you know, patients normally come to see me after they've exhausted all the other therapies. I feel like, you know, even before considering cortisone injections, I think regenerative injections should be one of the therapies that people should consider first. So it's almost like we need to switch the process of that being a last case scenario and put that as a first case scenario. And then you go to these other therapies afterwards if it doesn't work. 
Yeah, to sort of change that paradigm, right? I mean, I I believe in physical therapy and, you know, I believe in massage, but, you know, I think a lot of people are quick to get the cortisone injection, you know, which can damage your tendons and ligaments if you do it too often, right? It can affect your metabolism. Um, or they're, or because they don't know better, they go and have surgery. I mean, I have several patients in their 30s that have been recommended ablation, you know, where they, they kind of cauterize the nerve, right, like in their neck or their low back. And I said, you have to get a second opinion, because you're in your 30s, you're so young, there's all these other therapies to consider before, you know, doing surgery. I'm not anti-surgery. It's make sure that, you know, there are all these other therapies that you can consider before going to surgery or doing something like you know, a nerve ablation where they actually burn and cauterize your nerve. Yeah. So can you, can you talk a little bit about the different therapies that you do and what makes them different from each other since there's what, there's like four different injection therapies that you do? Yeah. So I do, ooh, I do a lot of different therapies, but yeah, those are the four main ones, Brian. So when a patient comes in, like for example, knee pain, I have lots of knee pain patients, right? And they could be you know, from ligament issues to, you know, partial meniscal tears to osteoarthritis, I normally treat them very similar in terms of starting them off with like perineural injections. And perineural injections are injections with 5% dextrose. So it's very, it's all natural. And uh, I work on the superficial nerves. So I'm bathing the superficial nerves and I'm calming down the inflammation that are in your nerves that lie right underneath the skin and above your muscles. So in essence, I'm trying to improve the, the fascia, right? The nerves that are lying in your fascia to decrease inflammation in that whole you know, joint space to decrease inflammation in your ligaments, tendons. Um, so yeah, so that's usually my first line therapy because a lot of times patients will come in and say, hey, Dr. Funk, I, have, I just have knee pain and it's just this whole area. So it's really hard for me to go in and like do specific injection, right? So I found that in clinical practice, seeing hundreds and hundreds of patients with knee pain, that I'll start with perineural injections, which is the least expensive of the regenerative injection therapies. And a lot of the times I'll get their pain down 50, 60%, and then it hones in to specifically where their pain might be. Like it might be, okay, it's actually a joint capsule issue or, oh, it's, you know, definitely their um, MC, you know, the medial collateral ligament, that's, that's the issue. And so, yeah, I've just found that for me, at least as a, as a practitioner, I tend to go to perineural injections first, get their pain level down and perineural injections are pretty immediate. It's very diagnostic. So if someone comes in and I do the injection and their pain goes down immediately, then I know, okay, it's probably neurogenic, meaning that it's probably the nerve is probably causing some of that pain. And then once a lot of that pain goes away, then I'll go towards more like prolotherapy. Okay. And then if I'm doing two to three rounds of prolotherapy where I'm using a higher percentage of dextrose, right? So with, with prolotherapy, you're using, uh, for me at least, I mix, prolothera- um, I mix dextrose uh, with lidocaine or procaine. And I'll inject it into, you know, mostly the ligaments, uh, the joint space, and sometimes the tendon. Um, and then if I'm doing two to three rounds of the dextrose prolotherapy and patients aren't better, then I'll actually go to PRP, um, or I'll go to stem cell therapy. So this isn't cookie cutter medicine, right? Like each patient comes in with, uh, you know, potentially similar complaints, but you don't ever treat them the same because they're, 
you know, their body uh, biochemistry is different, right? And then their symptoms are different. Their biomechanics are different. So, and that's one thing that I do in their in their initial assessment is to see, okay, you have knee pain, but you know, is it due to instability? Is it due to, you know, tight muscles pulling on your kneecap? Is it, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that having good um, physical medicine, medicine skills by looking at the biomechanics, um, by looking at their gait and postural assessment is also huge in, in figuring out what's going on. So. Uh, how do you determine whether you do PRP or stem cell and what's the differences between those two? So with PRP, uh, yeah, so PRP is platelet-rich plasma, and that's where I would draw someone's blood, um, spin it down in a centrifuge. So uh, we're, in essence, taking out, you know, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, and we're concentrating platelets down to five to seven times um, more concentrated than what's, you know, typical. And we're trying to mount a um, an in- a modulated inflammatory reaction. So a reaction that typically normally occurs in the body anyways to start the healing process. And uh, for those conditions, you know, again, if, if, the, if they have tendinitis issues that are chronic, um, if they have, you know, more moderate to a higher grade of osteoarthritis, I'll typically start with the uh, PRP. Um, and then for some patients, uh, you know, if I have, am doing a couple rounds of PRP and, um, you know, they're improving, but they really want to regenerate like the cartilage tissue, then, you know, oftentimes I'll move to the stem cell or I'll start with stem cell and add the PRP along with it. So for me, at least, um, I, in practice, I, whenever I do stem cell therapy, I also add in the platelet-rich plasma as well. And so, um, and it all depends on the patient. Sometimes I'll do a PRP first, I'll do the stem cell and then a PRP after, or I'll do stem cell with PRP and then just one PRP after. It all kind of depends on patient's, um, you know, finances. And then it also depends on, you know, the patient's um, health condition and, and level of injury. So, yeah, that's why having a good uh, practitioner to really give you a good diagnosis and, um, you know, be able to really treat the pain generator is, is so important in, ha- in whether a regenerative injection therapy is going to be successful or not. Hmm. Um, so earlier you were saying that pit therapy is pretty uh, quick to get a response so you can see what's going on there. Uh, with yep. PRP and stem cell, is the response as quick, like the reduction of pain, is it as quick as pit therapy or does it take a lot longer? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It differs for different people, right? So you're talking about, you know, regeneration of tissue. Okay. So when you have injury and I'm doing regenerative injection therapy, say for example, platelet rich plasma or stem cell, right? I am in essence trying to, I'm injecting, um, you know, PRP or stem cell, which is going to activate, you know, growth factors and, you know, cytokines and other, you know, anti-inflammatories like interleukins. And um, yeah, so those types of chemicals in the body will signal your tissues to repair and regenerate itself, but it takes a long time. So it can take, 
you know, four to six weeks for you to feel something, um, you know, up to three months. Some people will notice, you know, not much change during the first couple months. And then the third month, you know, comes around and they're like, wow, yeah, I mean, my mobility is, is you know, definitely much better. And then for stem cells, you know, sometimes even up to a year, patients will notice that um, they'll see changes, you know, um, six months to nine months to 12 months out. And it all depends, again, on, you know, on the patient itself. Um, I just know that, you know, with perineural injections, trigger point injections, um, and prolotherapy, you know, patients will notice, you know, especially with, with pit therapy, you know, they'll notice it, you know, that day. And then prolotherapy, they'll notice it within a few days to weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard from some people that have uh, had stem cell therapy on their knees before that they didn't really notice anything. And then all of a sudden, months down the road, they go to do an activity and all their knee doesn't hurt. So it, it sounds like it takes, it's a slower progression for that one. And you don't yeah. really notice the slow things because it's not immediate. It's just little yeah. changes every single day. Yeah. Because I mean, imagine every day you, you know, if you, if stem cells were not working for you, right? Like you would, you, I think you would die within probably a few hours, right? So every day our stem cells, we're, we're generating stem cells and, you know, and then stem cells are dying, right? I think it's by the age of 50, you, you, you know, you're making 50% less stem cells, right? And so, you know, it also depends on age. If you tend to be older, right, your stem cells are not regenerating at a, you know, at a faster rate than someone that's younger and, and more vital. And so, yeah, it does take time, right? And so you also depend, it also depends on what they're eating, how their hormones are like. So, you know, anytime someone asks me, how do you optimize, you know, Dr. Funk, what can I do to help like the stem cells? You know, you just injected me and I paid you a lot of money. What else can I do to help with it? And I say, yeah, your diet and your lifestyle, your stress management, like those all help, you know, to improve the, the you know, extent of, of um, your healing process. And healing of tissue does take time. You know, it's relaying these tissues that have been damaged and injured for so many years, right? And so, you know, when when those cells, like those stems, if those stem cells and, you know, those anti-inflammatory markers and cytokines, you know, they're all signaling molecules. So, you know, if, if those aren't around, you know, your, your healing potential isn't going to be as great. So making sure that, you know, your internal biochemistry is optimized is, is so, so important for regenerative injection therapies. Yeah. That's why I'm pretty picky about who I see as a patient in office. You know, if they're not as healthy as they could be, you know, I give them valuable information on what they can do to change their diet, change their lifestyle, start exercising. And it, it really does help. I mean, I, I am all for optimizing your body's, you know, internal, you know, biochemistry before actually doing injection therapies. So uh, when you're doing stem cell therapy, um when you're extracting the stem cells from a person, is that part painful or is it just like going in and getting a shot of some sort? Uh, it's definitely uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and, but I do numb, you know, patients up. So it's, you know, I, it, it's a small cut and I use a cannula. So it's, it's, 
it's a it's a cannula that I you know introduce uh, intraabdominally and uh, you know I extract the fat out. The whole procedure takes about an hour from the start to the end, where I'm I'm our, I'm also doing the PRP um, injection and also the stem cell injection. Um, but yeah, but it's an in-office procedure, right? So it's uh, but it is like a minor uh, surgery, so. You know, patients do have to be careful afterwards in terms of, you know, just laying low and taking it easy and, you know, not jumping into the hot tub because we don't want to introduce any bacteria into the incision. But, yeah, the incision is very tiny. Maybe the, um, you know, the length of your your pinky nail. Right. And so um, but it is, you know, when I'm, you know, introducing the cannula and I'm sort of sucking out the fat, it's it's pressure, you know, patients tell me, I definitely feel that pressure. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, but we do numb you up. And so there is discomfort, but, you know, it's, I feel like, um, you know, getting injections in general without being numbed up is probably, you know, sometimes can be uncomfortable as well. So it all depends on like how much, you know, um, how much pain tolerance you have, I guess. But, you know, no one's ever fainted on the table or anything like that. And I don't do it with for patients under anesthesia. They're they're completely awake. And so, yeah. And then uh, when you're doing the injections, are you relying on the the natural healing capabilities of the body to make sure that um, it's healing the correct tissues and not uh, regenerating tissues that shouldn't be there? Yeah. So, again... I can get, so for, for example, um, adipose-derived stem cell therapy, I'm creating sort of like a fat graft. Um, it's almost like, you know, a little bed for the stem cells to kind of grow on, right? Um, so you do your best by injecting into an area. So normally, like I said, I do it for knees and shoulders. Um, it's really hard to, if you're doing adipose-derived stem cells, you have to dilute it so much if you're doing it into... Um, like an Achilles tendon or wrist, which I've done before. It's just really thick, right? And so um, you 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 inject the stem cell into the area that you want to regenerate, right? But again, it's all about this the cell signaling molecules. Wherever there's inflammation, that's typically where the cells are going to go to repair itself and to regenerate. So, we do our best to get it into an area. And again, when you're injecting into the knee, you're injecting into the joint um, capsule, right? Into the joint itself. So, um, you know, we have no ability to exactly say, you know, go here, right? You can inject it, you know, close to the area, um, but it's gonna, it's gonna receive the signal to go where there's a lot of inflammation and where there needs to be repair. So our bodies are extremely smart that way. Uh, for example, if you're doing um, an IV infusion of stem cells, usually um, it's great for patients with COPD, for example, because, you know, first pass goes to the lungs, right? And so, um, again, it, it goes to wherever there's inflammation. And for COPD patients, for example, it's typically, you know, the, your pulmonary, your lung area. And, um, yeah, so you do your best to inject in, in the area that the patient has pain and it could be the tendon, the ligaments um, or the joint space. And the body sort of has repairing um, mechanisms and processes that tell the cells basically where to you know, repair and regenerate. Awesome. And 
A couple months ago, there was a summit that they were focusing on stem cell treatments and uh, just providing a lot of different information about the different types of injections that you can get. And they had mentioned at one point that right now there's no known side effects of stem cells other than it just doesn't work. Um, And so it's a pretty safe um, type of medicine that you can use for orthopedics and other parts of the body. Is that what you have found as well in your own practice? Or have you noticed any kind of side effects that could potentially happen? Yeah. So I think, Brian, with any type of procedure, right, and even, you know, a cortisone injection procedure, you know, there's always a risk. So um, you have to be mindful of who your population is. Um, Again, if someone is immune compromised, I am not going to be you know, taking fat necessarily out of their bodies and re-injecting it back like into a joint, for example, because again, you're relying on your own body's natural healing mechanisms, you know, to fight for you, right? To repair, to help you, you know, repair your body. Um, So yeah, so there's, you know, to me, there's always that risk. And so, so for them to say there's no risk, I, I don't know about that, but I know that you can minimize risk by, you know, having the patients optimize, you know, their diet, their lifestyle, um, making sure that, you know, when they are having these therapies, they, they don't have, you know, the cold or the flu. So their, their immunity, right, their immune system isn't compromised for whatever reason. And then I know that, um, you know, recently in the news that, um, you know, some umbilical cord stem cell companies have had adverse reactions because of, you know, um, bacteria in the, um, I think it was bacteria in the um, stem cells. So, yeah, I mean, you, as a, as a physician in general, whether I do regenerative injection therapies or not, you know, you have to definitely be sure that, um, you know, the, the patients that you work on, um, making sure that in the aftercare, like the post-procedure care, you know, if you're doing a lot of injections, which we do in prolotherapy, you know, they're, they're not going and swimming in the ocean or they're not going to hot tub because any of those, you know, injection sites that you do, you know, can potentially, um, you know, cause infection, right? You know, the risk is very, very extremely minimal. But again, you want to make sure that, you know, you minimize the risk for the patient. And since you mentioned uh, you probably wouldn't do it on someone that's immunocompromised, uh, if someone has multiple autoimmune issues and you take their stem cells and then re-inject it into their body, are they more likely to have their immune system try to attack those stem cells instead of allowing it to do the healing work that it that you were hoping it would do? Yes. So, uh yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know, some practitioners, they swear that, you know, for example, doing IV infusions would help um, with, with very, um, you know, difficult conditions like cancer patients, and, um, you know, patients with like ALS and whatnot, I just don't work with that population. So, you know, I, I don't have, um, you know, clinical stories to tell you in regards to that. I just know that, you know, when it comes to regenerative injection therapies, if you're using your own stem cells and your immune system is already compromised, you know, I would imagine that, you know, your um, your ability to, to heal is not just going to be as strong as someone whose um, internal milieu is really strong, right? Like their vital force is strong, their ability to heal is strong. Um, so I know that some 
you know, um, patients have gone to use, you know, umbilical cord stem cell for that reason, right? So they're, they're using umbilical cord stem cells that um, have gone through, you know, a lab that's certified with the FDA. And um, so the reaction, um, the protein and the leukocyte reaction, um, you know, of putting another substance from another person into your body, you know, there's no cross-reaction for example, um, and maybe that might be a better avenue versus like actually, you know, getting stem cells from your um, bone marrow or from your fat, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for uh, clarifying that. Um, so another question I had for you is, like you mentioned earlier that with pit therapy, a lot of times you can get like 60% reduction in pain. Um and then you might go on and try these other therapies afterwards. What would be considered a success in most cases? Would like 80% or better uh, pain reduction be considered a success? Or are you looking for the pain being completely gone? Yeah. Uh, so there was a study for prolotherapy. I think it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, it was for low back pain. And what they found was that for the patients in the study for low back pain, um, 85 to like 90% of the patients um, had that percentage of improvement for prolotherapy, right? For low back pain. If you think about uh, low back pain surgeries, right? I think it's like 50% of low back patients, um, you know, get improvements. And I don't even know if it's 85 to 90%, like, you know, the study did with, with prolotherapy. So, um, for example, if you're just looking at studies, that's one study that is, you know, that is really telling in terms of a low force therapy like prolotherapy being extremely helpful um, for a condition. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I want patients to not have pain. Like if you have pain, there's something going on, right? And I just noticed that with perineural injection therapies or PIT therapy, um, patients not only have less pain, but they have better mobility. Like I, it's the first line treatment that I use for patients in motor vehicle accidents that have, um, that, you know, do not have the, the ability to like rotate their neck very well or have good flexion or extension for example, it's because it's, you know, you're using only 5% dextrose and dextrose is sugar water, right? And, you know, in essence, that dextrose helps to downregulate the trp one receptor, which basically just means that you are decreasing inflammation in those nerves and nerve pain can cause, you know, it's, it can be pretty debilitating for a lot of people. And it can also, um, cause lack of mobility, right? And so if you're, if, if I'm wanting to see, you know, a patient have sometimes the quickest improvements, perineural injection therapy is one of the therapies that I use because even in, in, on the first visit, like sometimes patients will get better 30 to 40%. Like I go in, I do the injections. And if I work on the, on someone's neck, for example, I do usually their neck and their shoulders. And you're looking for specific superficial nerves that are potentially causing that pain. Right. And so, um, you know, and then sometimes I'll mix the perineural injection therapy with trigger point injections. Right. So I'm working on the superficial nerves and the muscle to improve the mobility and to improve, you know, and to decrease their pain. Um, when I am trying to improve someone, like, again, I'm looking for like 80, 90, 100% where there's just no pain, right? 
And I would say, you know, my average visits are probably five to six visits, you know, whether it's a combination of perineural and, you know, a cup of prolo or prolotherapy and a cup of PRP, or it could just be like a few trigger point injection visits, you know, with one to two perineural injections. It all depends. Like I never, sometimes, you know, for a patient, I'll say, oh, I think you need, you know, four sessions of you know, prolotherapy. And, you know, I do two sessions of perineuro and a couple trigger points and they're done. Like, they're like, I, I'm in good enough. Um, you know, I feel like I, my pain levels down enough where, you know, I can mountain bike, I can downhill and I'm fine. So doc, I'm, I'm good. And, you know, I think my success rate has been extremely high because again, it comes down to knowing what your pain generator is, like what is causing that pain. It's not always, you know, having, um, you know, decreased meniscus, right? It doesn't always mean that you're going to have pain. Like a lot of the, the decreased meniscus is actually due to instability in your ligaments and tendons. And so if you treat the ligaments and tendons, you're going to have better stability, you know, in your lumbar, you know, vertebrae, in your neck, you know, in your shoulders. And um, yeah, so a lot of when patients come to see me, a lot of it is actually education. They've never heard of prolotherapy before. They've never heard of perineural injection. And, you know, some of them think it's a little woo woo. But once I start injecting, you know, and they they're like, wow, you know, I have better mobility, like in just this one visit, you know, they become a believer. And yeah, it's always, always awesome to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think the the level of success is also dependent upon um, the patient itself too, what they perceive as success because someone that's coming in with a pain level at a 10 and then they leave and it's down to a three, that's a huge success for them. And you as a practitioner might want to see that down to a one or a zero, but for them, their whole life has just changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so common, Brian. I have patients come in and they say, Dr. Funk, like I heard about, you know, stem cell therapy and I want stem cells and I do a physical exam and I say, you know what, let's start with, you know, let's start with PRP or let's just start with these nerve injections and see where we go. And, you know, by the end of it, you know, I make less money and they are much better. And I think in the end that's being ethical. Right. And, you know, I always tell the patients, sure, your friend must have gotten better with just one stem cell injection, right? But, you know, does that mean that it, it you can translate that to your care? I say no. And so, um, you know, some patients, they do get disappointed that I don't put them on stem, you know, that I don't do the procedure right away. But, you know, after years of practice and knowing what works, um, I try to go with the least um, aggressive treatments, the least expensive, least aggressive treatments and sort of work my way up. All right. Um, it's my job to give the patients what I believe, you know, my best medical opinion of what's best for the patient. And, um, you know, once in a while, it is stem cell is a first line therapy because, you know, their osteoarthritis is pretty darn severe. Um, And then there's times where, you know, there are patients where they're just so far gone that, you know, they do need that surgery, right? But there's also things that I can do in the aftercare. So, you know, perineural injections, again, if you're, if you're getting, you know, surgery, I mean, they're cutting through your fascia, your skin, so I can help in the reparation process in the aftercare. So I also explain to patients, you know, if you do have to have surgery, there's lots that 
um, regenerative injection therapies can help with in the aftercare. And I think surgeons are now getting, or some orthopedic surgeons are, um, you know, they believe in PRP, right? Platelet-rich plasma. So they're actually injecting it while they're doing the surgery to help with the healing process so that the patient's, um, you know, aftercare, uh, their healing is going to be that much better. So. Yeah. And I definitely see how doing this before going to a chiropractor or, um, uh, physical therapy could be a really good option too, because you're lowering that inflammation level. So then these therapists can go in and do what they need to do to be able to get the body aligned the way that it needs to be, or get the tissues to move the way they're supposed to, which will help them to stay healthier for longer too. Absolutely, Brian. And, and that's the that's the beauty of referrals, right? And so, you know, I, I'm starting to make a name for myself here in Wenatchee and Leavenworth and, you know, building the trust of the physical therapists around here. And, and that's the thing. I, you know, I think that the reason why a lot of times physical therapy does not work is because they are in so much pain. And, you know, it's, it's when you're not treating the pain generator and you're walking patients through you know, these great physical therapy exercises, the patient is in so much pain, they're guarding, right? So if I can even get their pain down 30, 40% um, in a couple of visits, and then send the patient back to physical therapy, there's just going to be so much better range of motion, there's going to be better circulation to the tissue. Um, it's just going to be a more effective and efficient physical therapy visit. And I think that uh, and maybe it's because physical therapists, you know, some of them don't know the different options that regenerative injection therapies can do. But I think that type of cross-referral is great. And I'm starting to do it a lot more here in Wenatchee as well. And I find that it's beneficial for the patient, you know, by far. Let's talk about costs a little bit because you talked earlier that it does cost money. So at this point of this recording, do insurance companies cover any of this or is it all cash-based right now? Yeah, so it's all cash-based. Uh, I, yeah, so I run a fee-for-service uh, clinic where, you know, patients come and um, they pay for the procedures um, as well as the visit. And so sometimes, you know, I'll do courtesy billing just for the visit, and it depends on whether the patient's insurance will reimburse them for the visit. Uh, but yeah, you know, anytime that you're using dextrose or PRP or stem cell, insurance does not pay for it whatsoever. <laughs> um, and, you know, in some ways, you know, being in private practice and having my own practice, it's so rewarding and, and I feel more carefree in what I could do because... I'm not, you know, being held to the, you know, restrictions of insurance companies, right? And I have been working with insurance companies for many, many, many years and seen, um, you know, how detrimental they can be to, to my treatment plans that I want to work with with the patients. Um, even to authorize, you know, trigger point injections for a patient, you know, in pain was, you know, pulling teeth. And so I can't even imagine them trying, to, you know, trying to authorize um, you know, injection therapies like, uh, you know, PRP, for example. And, you know, there are so many research studies on the effectiveness of prolotherapy, yet, you know, why does insurance companies not, um, you know, allow this is, you know, you know, beyond me. So, 
you know, in some ways, I kind of like that this is hands off on insurance because the practitioners that are doing these regenerative injection therapies can, you know, we can do what we find is most effective for the patient and, you know, tell them, you know, based on your um, symptoms and, you know, your signs and symptoms, this is what I recommend, you know, and this is what we should do instead of like the insurance company saying, you know, to authorize you to have just one PRP or just, you know, um, three prolotherapy sessions or, yeah. So it's, I think that, you know, I enjoy having a private practice and, you know, here in Wenatchee and now you will probably remain, um, you know, having a, a, a fee for service practice. Yeah. That's been one of the big talks in the medicine world is just how, you know, at regenerative injection therapy can do so much for uh, people. However, insurance isn't wanting to pay for it. And it's like insurance would rather pay $100,000 for a surgery that, you know, $1,000 of injections could help with. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's, it boggles my mind. (laughs) And, you know, patients say, you know, oh my gosh, your PRP is so expensive or your uh, stem cell is so expensive. But if you think about the cost of of you being in pain and going to how many chiropractic visits and how many physical therapy visits and time off that you've had to take because you were in pain, you know, and and not having a good quality of life, it adds up monetary, right? right? And so I try to explain to patients, it's what you prioritize. If you want to be out of pain, you know, it's, Yes, it, it is, you know, you have to pay up front, but at the same time, I can get you better. Like these are, are, you know, this is what you need to do to regenerate your tissues. This is what's going on. And so I think that being in a cash, um, you know, practice, a fee-for-service practice, my patients are dedicated. You know, if I tell them, okay, we got to fix these hormones, you know, we got to optimize your testosterone, your thyroid, so that, you know, you could have better healing for your ligaments, tendons, like they'll do it right? Because they are paying up front. They are investing in their health. And, you know, we pay, I mean, I have to get a new phone and I'm paying what, $700 for a new phone. That's, that's as expensive as a PRP, you know, as a play leverage plasma for my knees. And um, yeah, so it's what you, it's, it's all about perspective, right? And what you prioritize and, and what you find that you can't live without. And for a lot of my patients here, I love them. They are, they are active and they want to stay active. And some of them come to me for preventive. Like they, they're like, I'm not in that much pain, Dr. Funk, but I want to be as, you know, good as I can for as long as I can. You know, for example, I have a patient, he's a CrossFitter and he had a big Baker cyst um, in the back of his knee. And I did two rounds of perineural injections on him. And he's like, I have no more pain. And I said, great, but I'm going to send you to your primary care to get, you know, for them to remove the, um, the, uh, Baker cysts with aspiration, come back, you know, we'll do one more, one prolotherapy and then we'll call it good. And he goes, great. I want to do it because I want it. I want it to be preventive. Like I don't want it to come back. And I said, okay, let's, this is what you're going to do. So, um, yeah. And, you know, like I said, it all comes down to patient's dedication and priority. Right. So, and just like you said, you're paying $700 for a phone that lasts maybe two years if you're lucky, or you can use that <laughs> to make your body feel better for a decade or two, if not longer. So it, it is all about perspective on what's most important to you. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one other thing, Brian, that I have to say, um, one other thing that I would have to say in my practice is that I um, really try to get patients to, you know, be active, right? Uh, for example, a lot of doctors will say, okay, do these injections and, you know, you can't use your, your you know, use your joints very much. And, um, you know, for me, unless you're, you know, I, I would have to say a caveat would be something like uh, prolotherapy where, you know, you kind of have to lay off for a couple weeks. But um, in general, you know, I practice um, my, what I do, you know, several times a week is functional patterns training. And I'm a big, um, you know, uh, championeer of people really trying to build more muscle and be active and have better mobility, you know, whatever it is, and to have good tensegrity, right, like in their muscles and in because that's going to translate to good tensegrity in the ligaments, tendons and their joints, because hypermobility is one of the reasons why so many patients are in pain. And explaining that to a lot of patients that are uh, really flexible, you know, I think that growing up, you know, in gym class, if you were super flexible, it was like a really good thing, right? Um, but as you get older, you know, again, the the basis of, of a lot of prolotherapy treatments is that these ligaments, they become injured and they become lax, um, you know, tendons as well. And so all of that instability, you know, leads to degeneration um, and degradation of, you know, the joint space and the bones as well. And so, you know, if you're exercising, you're having good, you know, you know, tension in the myofascial slings appropriately, you know, you're going to walk better, you're going to have better posture. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important, you know, to do regenerative injections, but also to have that active part, um, you know, be part of the treatment plan as well. So... Awesome. Well, as we close up here, do you have any final uh, things you want to talk about when it comes to regenerative regenerative injection therapy? That's got to be the hardest word to say ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Add in any last thoughts that you might have. Yeah, you know, I being active, I can't imagine not uh, not being able to be outside in the sun and enjoy all the activities that I do. So. Um, you know, I, I'm part of some of the Facebook groups and some of the things I, I see on Facebook is that people will use ibuprofen prophylactically <laughs> before their long hike. And it's one of the worst things that you can do for your body. So, you know, when I'm talking as a, as an orthopedic specialist here, uh, don't do that. There are, you know, if there is something going on right? Um, try to figure it out. Go to a regenerative medicine specialist that can really do a good physical exam and figure out what to do. And sometimes it's as, as you know, simple as, you know, if you have plantar fasciitis, right? You know, it could be doing a few trigger points um, in the areas of like your um, the muscles like your gastrocnemius or your soleus, it could teach, you know, teaching patients how to do myofascial release with the lacrosse ball. Um, yeah, so there's lots of things to do instead of just masking it with like taking ibuprofen, you know, which they've known to decrease the healing of fractures in general. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, I want people to be active, but also to be smart about, um, you know, what they are doing and taking in order to be active, right? And so um, and the other thing that I wanted to say about regenerative injection therapies is, you know, I specialize in orthopedics, but I also 
Um, anything with a needle, I love to do. So, you know, in practice, it's mostly orthopedics, but I also do, um, you know, for hair restoration, for um, PRP aesthetics and PRP hair restoration as well. And so there's many benefits of of regenerative medicine, right? You know, I'm re I specialize in regenerating, you know, tissues and, you know, tissues can be from your skin to your hair to um, the joints and ligaments and tendons in your body. So, yeah, it's an ever-changing, ever-evolving field, <laughs> as we talked about earlier, Brian, but I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's just like any other health um, subcategory within the health world. Everything's evolving and changing, which makes it just so fascinating, which this yeah. is one of those topics that, I mean, people are talking more and more about. So I'm glad that you have been able to come on and share all this with us. Um, my final question for you is, do you have a morning routine that you do every single day that helps just prepare you for the day and keeps you as healthy and as active as you possibly can? Yeah, so I, wow, my routine is not the same every day. <laughs> But uh, I would say two to three days out of the week, at least the weekdays, um, which to me is Monday through Thursdays. Uh, half of the time I in the mornings, I'll have a cup of coffee and I usually don't do breakfast. If I do do breakfast, it'll just be like a hard boiled egg. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually take my dogs out. I have two Rhodesian Ridgebacks uh, and man, they are a handful. Um, I usually take them out and go down to the Forest Service Roads or Tumwater Canyon or Icicle Creek. Um, and I'll let them loose and we go hiking. So that's so I get some exercise and hiking in that way. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, I love my sleep. Um, so sometimes I'll you know sleep in. Um, sleep is so important for tissue regeneration as well. Um, and then sometimes if I am not out hiking with the puppies, I'll actually have my coffee and I love to read right now. I'm like totally into the Outlander series, <laughs> the books by Diana Gabaldon. Um, and so, yeah, I, after that, I am, you know, have a full day of work. Um, and then my workouts, which I do many times, um, you know, after work is I do my functional patterns training at home. I do a lot of bands and kettlebells and, um, and that keeps me strong. I mean, I'm 100 pounds and I'm, sometimes I'm carrying, you know, 30 pound plus packs. And so for me, you know, being able to be strong and stay strong in my 40s is, is definitely extremely important. So, um, yeah, so I do try to get my exercise in, but that's usually I'm more of a after work exerciser. <laughs> so that's usually my routine. Awesome. Sounds like a great routine. It sounds very <laughs> similar to some of the things that I do to stay in shape for uh, backpacking and hiking and all the fun yeah. stuff that you can do around where you live. Okay, so people can find you at drfunknd.com. And you're also on social media. Uh, what channels are you on there? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and you can find me at the funky jump. Um, J-U-M. And then I'm also on Facebook. You can find me at my med clinic, which is Funk Regenerative Med Clinic. Yep. And then I also teach uh, other doctors how to do um, regenerative injection therapies. Um, and I work uh, for a company called One Living. And my friend and colleague started that. And if you're a, a nurse or doctor that's interested in regenerative injection therapies, um, you can email uh, at connect at oneliving.center 
And uh, yeah, that's where to find me for the different varieties of uh, social media aspects. Great. Well, thanks again so much for coming on and talking about regenerative injection therapy. And um, as this whole world starts to evolve more with just more information coming out about what this can be done with, we'll definitely have to bring you on to talk more about it. Uh, so thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Brian. Yeah, I feel so honored that you guys asked me to come on. And, you know, it's it's been a good time. I love talking about it. <laughs> Well, there you have it. As you can see, there is a lot more to regenerative injection therapies than just stem cells. Stem cells is the one that we hear about all the time, but there are other options that you can use for pain and for orthopedic issues um, that aren't as expensive as stem cells. So if you find someone that works with regenerative injection therapy, they will be able to guide you in which injections to start off with first. So uh, if you're local to the Washington region, then check out Dr. Jum Funk. She's a great option around here. But if you're not in Washington, then feel free to uh, look in your own areas to find someone that you trust and someone that can guide you the, in the best possible ways. In the show notes, we'll have resources to the Healing Miracles Summit that I talked about. That's all about stem cells and uh, a lot of information diving into those as well. So go to summitforwellness.com slash 73. Next episode, we have Greg Gerard coming on to talk about brain health and uh, different ways that the brain can controls how the body functions as a whole. So a lot of times we hear about uh, gut health and how important that is to our overall health, but we also need to talk about how the, the gut and the brain are both connected in order to make the body as healthy as possible. So here is a little clip from my conversation with him. We are joined with Greg Gerard, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner. Hey, Greg, can you tell us one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Um, I had a career beginning shoulder injury. Tell us a little bit more. Uh, um, I'm an avid whitewater kayaker, and um, I injured my shoulder. I tore my rotator cuff in 2010 and couldn't kayak for a year, and um, and I didn't need surgery, and I PT'd it and yoga'd it uh, as far as it would go, and um, I had to change the way I was eating. I had to heal my gut to fully heal my shoulder, and that led me to becoming uh, NTP. And we talk a lot about that in the beginning of our episode together. So in our ep episode together, can you tell us what we are talking about, what we're focusing on? Um, mainly how um, it's, it's um, great that we're focusing on the gut and healing the gut, and that's crucial and, and always will be. Um, but the you know the gut feeds the brain and and how we need to also look at um if the brain needs some nourishment you know if the brain if the gut feeds our heart our bones our brain our endocrine system if the the gut feeds everything um then in our gut most of our gut has been off for decades possibly generations um especially with gut flora then, you know, how could our brain not need um, more neurological support um, through certain nutrients that typically aren't even in the healthiest of diets? 
And speaking of nutrients, what are some of your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get in their uh, diet? Um, I'd say, I mean, I talk about the gallbladder a lot. <laughs> so uh, some type of gallbladder support, that will help the brain because the majority of the brain is, is fat. Um, and so being able to emulsify our healthy fats that we're eating, that's a big part. And uh, I see a lot of people – it's best to always to test, but I see a lot of people test really well for pituitary and hypothalamus uh, glandular support. So that would be in a, in a tablet or a capsule. And then what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Top three? Um, let's see. I'd have to say um, go – uh, give yourself some grace <laughs> and go easy on yourself. Um, but still, uh, just know that it's not all self-discipline and willpower that, um, some of our physiology and neurology, and then maybe, um, even, I mean, uh, the majority of like the body is bacteria, some good, some bad. And so just know that our cravings uh, a lot of times are being dictated by, um, bacterial and or fungal overgrowths. Um, and, uh, so go, go easy on yourself and just know that it's not all completely, totally about self-discipline and willpower. Um, that we have to, we have to kind of go to somebody that, um, can help guide us, um, through our health journey and, uh, that has, um, a vast background in anatomy, physiology, neurology, and maybe a little bit of psychology in there too. There's, I would joke that there's a lot of therapy and nutritional therapy. Um, I don't know if you'd say that was one thing or that was uh, 50 things. <laughs> that was more than three probably. <laughs> awesome, Greg. Well, we have a great interview for everybody, and they can listen to it next week. So awesome. we'll see them then. Now, if you have not left us a rating and review, please go to your favorite podcast listening option and leave us a rating and review. They do help the show to get in front of more people. So if you can take a couple of seconds out of your time to do that, that helps us out tremendously. Keep climbing to the peak of your health and we will see you next time.